Hey, this is Sean Leary, and thank you once again for tuning in to QC Uncut, your home for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers hosted by me, Sean Leary. And my guest this week is Scott Terry. Now, Scott Terry is a member of the Rock Island County Board. Um, you've also been involved in local media as well, and so we'll talk about some of that stuff as well as some of the issues um, surrounding the, the county board, um, some of the misconceptions perhaps um, that you know the board should be involved in and isn't involved in. Um, we'll also talk about some of the accomplishments of the board and the direction that's going in the future. Also, Scott is involved with the um, Rock Island County Democrats as well, and we will talk about some of the issues facing them as well as you know general political uh, conversations. So, uh, Scott, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Well, thank you uh, for having me and giving me the opportunity to, to speak uh, to your uh, to your listeners. Thank you. Now, the first question, as always, uh, whenever I'm going to have a guest on the show, I put it out there on social media, and I ask people, what questions do you have for county board? What questions do you have for you know whoever the guest is going to be? And in, the, and in the case, of course, when I was having the mayoral candidates on, we got a bazillion and one questions, particularly in regard to Walmart and the downtown and things of that nature. County board, on the other hand, I put it out there, you're going to be out there. I got one, one or two questions about it. And I think that part of that, before I ask those questions, um, part of that is a kind of, I don't know whether it's a misconception, but perhaps people don't fully understand what the county board does. People can figure, and they, and they kind of get a handle on what the mayor does or city council and things of that nature. But tell people, what exactly does the county board do? What are your responsibilities? What are the things that you do control and you don't control? Well, first and foremost, Sean, I'd, I'd like to think that uh, with the minimal uh, questions that you received, it means we're, we're doing something right and moving in the right direction. So I'll take that as a compliment. No, I, uh, I think you're dead on. Uh, look folks are busy they work full-time jobs they're trying to raise a family uh, you know so on and so on and and so uh, it oftentimes can be confusing and and you know in our country when you've got multiple layers of government Um, and and I think folks uh, try to do the best they can to pay attention to what's most pertinent to them Um, and and of course you know uh, with the issues going on with the city uh, that's something that 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 people are very uh, aware of Um, in terms of what does the county do um, you know, we do a wide variety of things, and they're all important, just like with every other, I think, level of government. Uh, but we provide a whole uh, host of uh, services uh, to the to the great people of Rock Island County. Uh, we have the recorder of deeds, of course. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, the zoning department. Anytime you know you're looking to to get a building permit or what have you, you're you're contacting the county. We, of course, uh, the sheriff's department falls under our, our jurisdiction. Uh, uh, you know, we. We set policies, rules, ordinances on on all kinds of dish, issues regarding uh, the county, um, and, and I'm certain that I'll I'll get into some of the more specifics of that uh, in terms of what we've done in the last year or two um, later on. So. Um, hopefully that answers your question, and, and if not, certainly feel free to, to ask me to expound on it. So. 
How often, uh, how many county board members are there? How often are they elected and when are they up for re-election? Wonderful, great question. Uh, this, this topic excites me. Uh, I'm proud to say that I had authored uh, the resolution that, uh, that we actually passed this year, uh, which is probably, uh, in my opinion, uh, the greatest accomplishment that this, this board has uh, uh, completed in the past year, uh, which is we have 25 board members. Uh, we used to have 29. We now have 25. Um, and then following the 2020 census, starting in the election of 2022, uh, we'll be, we've committed to going to 15 board members. So almost cutting the board in half. Um, we now have uh, a county administrator and, and professional staff handling the day-to-day -day operations and overseeing the, uh, the various departments, not the elected officials. Um, they are certainly responsible uh, for their responsibilities. Uh, it's just, it's just uh, a reasonable expectation of the public to say, hey, let's, let's look at you know, how can we make this uh, board uh, function more efficiently um, at a at a uh, lower cost to me the taxpayer and uh, you know we we've done that um, folks keep referring back to 2012 and what have you when when refer or, uh, countywide referendums were passed and, and folks didn't feel like because it didn't happen then and uh, there that that uh, the county board wasn't receptive and didn't hear them the truth of the matter is is um, I had actually come in right after that referendum and, and I heard them wholeheartedly and and I know my colleagues did as well, otherwise we never would have uh, committed to this resolution. Um, but we did do a, uh, we asked the county clerk's office to do an internal study, cost study, on what it would cost us to do uh, this prior to the census, um, printing, you know, voter ID cards and, and so on, uh, redrawing the, uh, the districts, which we're required to do anyway every 10 years. And the fact of the matter is, is um, it, would have, it would have been quite a hefty expense uh, for a matter of literally two or three years. So. Um, but uh, 25 board members, uh, we had seven standing committees. Uh, we actually, another accomplishment, I think, that we just passed here in December, uh, we cut our committee structure in half. Mm -hmm. uh, we went from the seven standing committees down to three. Uh, new business committees is what I call them, um, which include public works, because uh, uh, kind of referring back to your last question, one of the other primary objectives of the county is maintaining your county, your roads. Right, um, yeah. So we have the Public Works uh, Department. We have the Governance, Health, and Administration Committee. And then, of course, we have the Finance Committee, Finance and HR. Um, we also um, instituted a Committee of the Whole, uh, which I'm really proud of. It seems to be, wor be working out very well. Uh, basically, what it is, it's a culmination of, of what's happened in those three committees. And it's, it's really a hearing session that allows the entire board at the same time to kind of hear kind of an overview of, you know, um, what happened in those committees uh, the week prior. So um, I feel like, uh, in speaking with my colleagues, it's, it's a huge success. And um, hopefully that answers that question for you. <laughs> now, I know that the, um, the move to reduce the number of members was a bipartisan move. You cooperated with, you know, you are a Democrat. You um, also, you co-authored the bill with one of your Republican colleagues. Um, and um, what was the reason for cutting the number of board members? And also, how do you feel that impacts in a positive or negative way the uh, service that the board can provide? Great question again, Sean. Um, yeah, there was there was some contention around that. I think it's probably probably one of the by 
by far, I would say, one of the most contentious votes we've had in the last year. Uh, but the majority of the board felt it was the right thing to do, I being one of them. Um, you know, why why was it so important to do? Um, I think it, it comes down to our fundamental role as representatives of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, some of the concerns and, and, you know, why should, should we not do this was, and I think, very important cons- uh, reservations regarding, you know, minority representation, rural versus urban representation. Um, so we needed to we needed to be very focused on maintaining that, and I think we will. Uh, but I, I, and, and obviously majority of the rest of the board felt that hey, uh, we can listen to the general sentiment of the folks we're trying to serve, uh, and still maintain um, our superb, uh, especially in, in contrast to other boards. Um, our, uh, you know, our, our uh, diversity. Uh, and and uh, in all kinds of ways, whether it be you know uh, uh, in terms of, of race, whether it be terms of age, uh, we at the time we had uh, a, a board member in their 80s, and we had a board member as as, as young as their uh, uh, upper 20s. So uh, we've got African American, Latino, Caucasian. Uh, very proud of the makeup of this board, but I just felt that, and again, so did the majority of the board, um, otherwise it wouldn't have passed, um, that we could maintain um, those positive aspects of the makeup of our composition of our board while looking at the financial realities that this county faces. Um, in terms of how are we going to be able to maintain the services, um, I think I've addressed that a little bit in terms of representation. Uh, but keep in mind, we also now have the county administrator and, and staff running the day-to-day operations. It's it's not uh, it's not required of the county board um, um, to uh, be down at ground level day in and day out, right. like it used to be uh, on some issues. Um, so I think that helped uh, only push us in that direction. So. And these are part-time positions, of course, too. Um, they are what we make them. That's the best way I, I put it. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, yeah, I think I Officially think they are. Part-time yeah, um, you know, nobody's logging their hours, um, and and I I think that's maybe what kind of was my argument for those who maybe disagreed on this issue. I said, look, you know, I mean, if you're if you're putting in the time and the hours, um, log it, you know, verify it, and uh, you know, then you you can uh, you can tell me we're wrong. But, um, you know, nobody can produce that because uh, part of it's just the nature of being in in, uh, elected office. I mean, the job is part-time, but it's also 24-7. We have to be available 24-7. And I certainly try to do that. And I think uh, everybody that I uh, serve with on the board does that. So, um, But there is definitely a very stark distinction, uh, to be fair, in the demands of our jobs as elected officials uh, and that of somebody who... Uh, you know, and goes and, and works the line every day, uh, right. punch the clock. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, how much money did the county save by cutting? Well, first, you went from 29 to 25. Uh, so you certainly have to have some figure in regard to how much you save for cutting those four. You're looking to cut an additional 10 positions. How much did the county save in regard to the four positions cut? How much do you anticipate the county saving in regard to 10 additional positions cut? Sure. Uh, and thank you for asking, uh, because times are tough for a lot of folks. And so this is this is really, I think... Uh, certainly in the peripheral of, of, of everybody. So uh, the, the four that, when we went from 29 to 25, I believe that was maybe in the 80s. So it was prior to my time. Uh, but 
the 10 that since I've been on the board in my tenure that we, we have committed to reducing, uh, the actual savings uh, will be um, the base uh, reduction of those salaries is going to be 60000 Okay. 60000 uh, Excuse me. No. 10 times, yeah, 60000 will be 60000 uh, because a board member uh, base salary, and I don't want to get too confusing here, is $2,400. Uh-huh. And then we get a per diem for every uh, board meeting we go to uh, of 100 bucks. It works out to be 6000 if you go to every meeting for the full year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a uh, reduction of 10 members, it comes out to be 60000 a year. Uh, but the cost savings will be more uh, because there are special meetings and those types of things throughout the year. So I would uh, estimate anywhere um, between 80 and and hundred grand uh, a year. So, yep. Now, speaking of that, some of the other cuts that have taken place uh, are in regard to the pension plan, in regard to benefits. Um, I know at one point the board members received pension, received benefits, were tied into that through the state. Um, you are among the um, the board members who were pr- proponents of cutting that and eliminating those perks for board members. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Yes, sir. And, and stop me if I... I get too long-winded on this. Another issue I'm very passionate about, I worked very hard on this, and, and so did multiple other colleagues. Um, another bipartisan issue. Well, yeah, that's what I should emphasize is the fact that a lot of these issues, and I've noticed in my research on you, you tend you work across the, the aisle a lot, and I think that that's important. We've, we've come to a point where politics has become so divisive and divided, but I think oftentimes it's, it's always the centrists and the moderates, the people that are willing to recognize that, okay, good ideas aren't completely the province of one party or another. Everybody can have a good idea, and it doesn't matter whether you've got an R or a D next to your name. If it's a good idea, you should be working on it for the good of the people because party should take a back seat as opposed to you know country or county or city. Well, I think Sean, uh, you you articulated that better than than I could I, I could myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're right. Look, uh, there is differences between Democrats and Republicans, and they're certainly worth highlighting. Uh, but particularly at the time of the election, when we're making the case, why are we most fit? Uh, why are we most competent? Why are you know why is our policies better than the other guy? So I think that's where parties are very critical because they allow people to see those clear distinctions. But when that election's over. Uh, and your job is now to serve Um, and and to me serve isn't just a a buzzword it isn't just a a pretty you know word it it means something so uh, to serve not only the one aspect is listening of course but the second part of that is is then getting something done and sometimes uh, the only way that uh, you can do that and and get the best policy is by uh, working together Um, so yeah I'm I'm proud of uh, the by willingness uh, and openness for, for bipartisanship amongst the entire board. Um, I can't really think off the top of my head anybody that, uh, you know, hasn't been open to that idea. I, I think we all recognize that the, when the election's over, uh, we're here to serve. So, um, but, uh, yeah, again, I, th- I think you articulated it uh, better than I could myself. <laughs> yeah, so...
<laughs> now, what, one of the we did start talking about. You mentioned the pensions as well as the benefits, and you said that that was something, and that's something I personally I, I agree with. I mean, if you're going to have a part time job, it would be different if it was a full time job. Of course, you want to have pension, you want to have, um, have have benefits and such. But I, I don't know anybody who's got. Well, maybe Starbucks. I know they have some benefits, but you know, it's very it's very rare that you have a company that has benefits for and a pension especially for part-time employees you know look i mean when the money's there and we can afford it sure you know it's great it's a great perk um and and that's fine uh you mentioned starbucks costco some of these uh, uh, successful businesses that are going above and beyond and providing those incentives for their part-time employees which is great the big difference they have the money to do it. Right, they're private enterprises, yep. yeah. And so kind of tying in with the bipartisanship thing and, and that sort of thing, I what I love most about serving on the county board is we're, in my opinion, uh, tackling real life, everyday, common sense problems. And the best way to tackle them is the same way, uh, through rational, common sense um, solutions. Um, so... Um, in regards to the pension and the the benefits, I did pen both those resolutions, and um, I've been a longtime proponent uh, for both. I've never accepted either. Uh, I never signed up for the pension, and, and I've never accepted uh, the tax uh, payer subsidized health care um, because I recognized from the beginning that, as you said, um, most people uh, don't don't have that option. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, my uh, my reward is uh, you know knowing that uh, people recognize it um, whether they agree or disagree with me on, a, on any particular issue that they they know that I'm still working for them um, and, and I know it sounds corny but it's just the truth uh, that is for me the best reward we can get in terms of public service uh, if, if we went into this job uh, for those perks or for the the salaries or the stipends, um, then we probably should have never ran for that position. <laughs> um, so, you know, if, if, if you're uh, fighting to hold on to your pension or your tax subsidized, taxpayer subsidized health care because you have allowed those to become part of your budget, um, you know, uh, don't resist re- losing those things uh, and feel angst towards either your colleagues who are advocating for it or, or the or the folks you're trying to serve. But but maybe take a look at did I make the best decision in in, in, in implementing this into into my budget or my you know relying on this too much. So uh, it sounds very libertarian for a Democrat, Scott. You're gonna get me in trouble now. You're gonna get me in trouble. I uh, no I but but the point is is uh, you know there is kind of going back to what I was saying before and election time there are stark differences and I think perhaps that's where the parties really uh, do serve a purpose. But we got to keep in mind that we're and this is why I love serving at the local level. Again, we're not talking about uh, abortions. Uh, we're not talking about you know um, should we. You know, increase our nuclear arsenal or not? Right. Uh, you know, we're talking about hey, at a time when we're hitting zero fund balances and talking about laying off the folks who working for the county is their full time job. Right. Um, do I give up this perk or do I not? And um, I happen to think most of the time our decisions are pretty easy, but um, you know, uh, not everybody has that same sentiment, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes uh, a little coaxing. But. Right. Uh, and sometimes I just lose the argument, but uh, or lose the vote, I should say. I never lose the argument, uh, but uh, 
Well, thank you. So, yeah. Now, what uh, got you into politics? Um, give us a little bit of your political history. Is it something that you always want to do, something that you came to later in life? And what is it that drives you now to um, continue to serve in politics? Well, uh, Sean, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a politician. No, I'm just kidding. I, I am poli- I'm elected. I hold elected office, so I'm not going to throw that out there. I, I think it's an honor to be a politician. It means I'm, again, uh, working on behalf of someone other than myself. Uh, a little bit of history. Uh, it really kind of, I grew up in a family that uh, was always, um, my parents were in tune with the politics of the day. Uh, I can still remember from being a very little kid watching the State of the Union address. And of course, back then you really didn't have a choice. I mean, you had the four channels. And, right. Yeah. Um, so they were always very in tune. I remember having some debates around the table. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of um, activeness, you know. We didn't go to rallies. We didn't um, that sort of thing. So I think what really got me motivated to actually get involved, besides sitting around my own table and, and complaining, uh, was uh, I think it started in college. I had a wonderful uh, professor. Uh, actually, I can I can think of two of them that really uh, motivated me and. and uh, one is uh, Dr. J. Pierce. And, now, where did you go to Black college? Hawk college? Forgive yeah. me, Blackhawk College over in Moline. Mm-hmm. Dr. J. Per- uh, Pierce and uh, Dr. J. Pierce. In case you're listening, I haven't forgot to uh, preface your name with Doctor. Uh, <laughs> and then Joan Eastland, who had uh, retired recently and, and gave many, many years of service to Blackhawk and in this community. Um, so, you know, they got me involved. Uh, and there's also someone else I should mention, forgive me, and his name's uh, Andy Wayard. And Andy Wayard's actually, if I may, maybe I shouldn't throw in this plug here, but he's running for the school board uh, for Moline Coal Valley. So, uh, But he, he, he kind of pushed me to get involved with the Blackhawk College Democrats. And, uh, and so that's kind of... Uh, got me going there, and then uh, between the professors, uh, get me involved in, in political science classes and and model Illinois government and student government association. I served as treasurer for student government association and treasurer for the Blackhawk College Democrats. And from there, it was a real spiral. I think it was a lot about timing for me. I, there was a there was a strong uh, <coughs> excuse me uh, click. Uh, uh, group of kids who really just uh, gelled well together uh we all you know ha- thought the same of course being this in the democratic uh club uh but uh you know it, it was a, it, a lot of it was timing uh but we we were very active and um we got involved in working campaigns and that sort of thing i went on to intern for lane evans uh and from there it was just uh, exponential um interest uh because um lane evans uh uh, for so many people, uh, was an inspiration, uh, and and um, so from there uh, I end up uh, being blessed with the opportunity to serve on the congressional, not political, the congressional staff for uh, Congressman Phil Hare. I uh, handled primarily his veterans and military affairs, um, and uh, got to see. Uh, because it was a congressional uh, position and not a political position, I got to see that no matter uh, what party was in charge, um, if you worked hard, you could make real differences in people's lives, and some uh, certainly deserving of such, uh, like the various numerous veterans that I worked with. So. Um, hopefully, again, that wasn't uh, too much information, No, no. but uh, that's kind of a quick 
chronology of, of how I got to where I'm at. And then uh, uh, after, uh, you know, uh, Phil uh, was no longer uh, serving as congressman, uh, there was an opportunity to open up to serve at the local level. And I uh, decided what the heck. So. Mm-hmm. Now, <coughs> one thing I wanted to touch upon, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, was the fact you are a Democrat. Um, I think people have gotten away from the standard definition of what a Democrat and what a Republican should stand for in this country. People tend to think of, you know, very, again, things are very divided, but I think people get have a, have a wrong idea of what a Democrat should stand for or what a Republican should stand for because some of the part, party, you know, leaders have gone so far off the, the bend. Um, I mean, personally, I started off. I was I was in pre-law when I was in college. Went uh, ended up switching to journalism. Um, but when I was pre-law, I was doing a lot of research. I was a Republican, and. Um, the reason why is because I believe in states and individual rights and government staying out of people's lives, and particularly in regard to social policies. Uh, I became an independent when the Republican Party started to get a little bit too involved in people's personal lives and trying to push a personal agenda upon people, which is against, actually, against the Constitution. Um, so... As a Democrat, uh, talking to an independent, but somebody who has voted for Democrats, I voted for Obama, um, I voted for Ralph Nader, voted Green, um, supported McCain, so I've hit all, this, all across the spectrum. As a Democrat, why did you become a Democrat? Define what a Democrat is to you, and how do you feel the Democratic Party, both locally and nationally, is living up to the ideals that the Democrats have stood for over the years? Sure. Um, I am a Democrat, a very proud Democrat. Um, I will say, uh, those discussions around the, the table at home as a kid, my, my dad was a Republican, or is a Republican, and... Um, I think there was a little bit of a nightmare scenario for him when I came home and said, hey, Dad, I'm a Democrat. So, uh, <laughs> But I think it was good for me because I think, you know, look, I learned that uh, we're all, de- you know, there are Democrats and there are Republicans, but at the end of the day, uh, we're all American, right? right. Uh, we all have a vested interest in this country. Uh, kind of getting to the point here, uh, why I'm a proud Democrat, and let me just pre-caution this with one other thing. Uh, this is a little different than our county stuff because, again, we're not dealing with some of those bigger issues that really do, um, to me, uh, separate the two parties. Right. Um, but I, I, I think... Or we should say separate them currently because the, the issues that separate the parties currently are different than the issues that traditionally have, yeah, have done so in the past. As someone who's done research papers on that, when you look at Teddy Roosevelt, who's a Republican, when you look at... Dwight Eisenhower, who was a Republican, and even Reagan. A lot of the things that Reagan stood for are very different from a lot of the things that some of the those in the current Republican Party stand for. And actually, if you look at a lot of things Reagan stood for, they're more in line with the Democratic Party at this point, which is kind of ironic. But nevertheless, yeah, it's it's constantly evolving, um, and um, you know so. Look, the reason I'm a proud Democrat, I believe in uh, supporting, um, you know, I I think that success for this country, um, you know, it it starts from the bottom, 
and, and works its way up. Um, I think the folks who are blessed um, at the top are, are uh, certainly there uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes through their own hard work and dedication, they should be praised for that. Uh, but they didn't get there alone. Uh, and so we believe uh, in ensuring, you know, everybody has an opportunity. And I, and I fear that at the national level sometimes that gets missed. Um, the importance of the opportunity and providing that opportunity uh, with my friends across the aisle. Um, I think how we view, and I think that leads into everything else, how we view um, welfare, um, you know, um, even how we get into abortion. So, um, uh, but, you know, I believe in collective bargaining and, and allowing uh, workers uh, to uh, have a say-so uh, in, in negotiations with the employers and, and, this, and the management and their working conditions. Right. Um, you know, and so uh, yeah, I, c- I could be here all day to, <laughs> to tell you really why, why I'm not a Republican and why I'm a Democrat. But I think it's more important to focus on that that does not mean that I'm you know, trying to uh, demonize Republicans. Um, uh, I know one or two. Uh, I mentioned my dad. Pretty, pretty good guy. Uh, you know, worked hard his whole life. And that's something I would give credit uh, to the Republican Party on is, is that they do value and, and they're not afraid to uh, put an emphasis on hard work. Uh, I don't think the Democrats are either. But, um, you know, so at the end of the day, uh, you know, the two sides got to come together and get something done, whether it be at the county board level or at the national level. And I think that's where the real angst lies with most Americans who don't do this every day or aren't obsessed with it like myself sure. um, is just get something done. So right. yep. I don't want to uh, uh, depart too much from uh, my role in the politics at the county level. I, uh, I'm i not prepared to, to make a case at the national level. I, I don't ever intend to. Uh, I'm not a... I don't have any ambitions for, for Congress ever. So there's just two hard issues. I'm not... Uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, we, I think we've got uh, a great congressman and and uh, or congresswoman. Forgive me, uh, and Sherry Boos. I think she's doing a fantastic job, and uh, um, I hope she stays there and 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 continues to um, serve the people of the 17th district in, in the capacity that she has demonstrated that she can uh, for a very long time. So. Now, one of the things. Um that we talked about uh, was redrawing district maps. And that is something that I think is <clears throat> really needs to be addressed. It's something that uh, people are, they're not aware of in regard to gerrymandering. A lot of people don't even know what gerrymandering is. Gerrymandering is, of course, the redrawing of districts for political purposes to make it more advantageous for one political party to gain control or retain control. They redraw the districts in such a way that it's not representative of population size, but it's representative of political 
clout in particular areas and allows them to take an unfair advantage in regard to uh, gaining seats in a political election. How do you, I think that that's a, a very important issue. Um, personally, I think that districts should be with, should be drawn due to strict population controls. You draw the districts and in each district there is an equal amount of population. And if that means there are 10 districts within a large city, well, so be it. Because that's how many people are in the district. So how do you feel in regard to this given the fact that we're coming up on a census here, we're going to be coming up on redrawing the districts? Well, I, I'm probably the biggest proponent of, of, of uh, reform in our, in our uh, district drawing. Um, again, I think that's really just hits on common sense again right. and, and not even the, so much that it's it's talking about opportunity and and the opportunity for uh, fair elections and i don't think uh when, when we go out and make a case to the public um uh, it should be based on our performance um and uh not again on some arbitrary lines so no I, i'd be the first to to support uh, reform and, and, and fair uh, drawing of the districts. I, I, to me, it's a no-brainer. Um, uh, obviously, it, it isn't to some to a lot of other folks, but um, I would certainly be supportive of that. I think it's it's long overdue. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know what I'll be doing in 2022, but if I happen to be serving uh, the great folks of Rock Island County on the board, um, you know, I'll certainly uh, pledge to do all that I can to ensure that. Uh, we're, you know, drawing those lines and districts um, as fair as possible. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't think anytime your your prereq for drawing those lines is based on a partisan uh, reason, um, you, you you know, you're you're starting off wrong. It, it, I, and, and so, you know, there's a lot. I think a lot of further exploring we need to do in determining what are the factors to make it fair. Uh, but I think the obvious is population. Um, but you know we've got a we got a it's not just uh, you know you know minorities uh, but it's the rural versus urban and those types of issues too that we got to always keep in mind. So, uh, but again, I I certainly w am a huge proponent, and uh, if I happen to still be serving uh, at the time that we redistrict in, in Rock Island County, I, I'm happy to pledge that I'll do all that I can uh, to ensure that it's it's uh, fair. Uh, and reasonable uh, in, in how we go about making up those lines. I think one of the things is that there's a lack of it, it, this gets into partisanship as well, but there's there's kind of a lack of common sense, and you touched upon this. There's lack of common sense in regard to politics, but there's also an ignorance in regard to what the common sense should entail. Now, I, I make this argument quite a bit in regard to, you mentioned welfare, things of that nature. Um, a lot of people don't realize how little, because food stamps are one thing that you know we see a lot of talk about. A, it's a very small percentage of the budget. B, studies have shown that the investment in food stamps returns 
15 to 25% into the economy because it goes directly to local food suppliers and then it allows people who are on that program to also spend additional monies on other things and therefore stimulates the economy. It's the same way with a lot of quote-unquote welfare programs, whether it's farm stimulus, which goes to farmers, um, or it is, you know, social welfare programs. A lot of them, the studies have shown that they have a financial return due to the fact that they have a ripple effect upon the economy. How do politicians who are in favor of these type of programs get that point across? Because there's this misperception in this country and this shaming of the poor, this shaming of people who are getting any sort of government assistance, um, on the lower level, there's no shaming of a giant corporation not paying any taxes or sending their money overseas or their jobs overseas. But there's this shaming of like the person who's making $30,000 a year and needs social assistance. But that has a much more positive impact upon the economy in a much more direct fashion. I, uh, I think, well, one, the answer is we're not going to do it overnight. I think it's, it's anytime you're dealing with uh, perceptions, it's something that takes time. But you got to start somewhere too, and I I think the answer lies in you know um, doing all that we can to improve the lives of everyone, uh, particularly. So the folks who have that perception, um, you know, you know they see it, they see someone, you know, uh, utilizing those programs. And then they relate it to their struggles, sure. and so it makes them angry. Well, I can understand. So that, yeah. I, I think the best way to do it, and not to give kind of just a be-all answer, but I think if my life's improving, I'm going to be less likely to um, feel angry. Right. And I'm going to see more of it, as, as you were just saying, as, as a way to stimulate uh, the you know the anything from the economy, uh, let alone that individual's uh, opportunities uh, to advance and 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 what have you. So uh, whether it be financially or, or what have you. So uh, I think it's 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 something that's going to take some time, and it's probably some. It's only going to come when uh, everybody generally things are improving. Uh, you know, for the populace overall, right. I, I think so. And it's what. Ultimately, you're never going to eradicate it completely, unfortunately, because ignorance exists. It always has and always will. Uh, but the best we can do is continue to try to co- combat it uh, by improving everybody's lives as much as we can, um, their own dispositions, um, and uh, and continuing to educate. You know, um, I would say uh, increasing uh, the amount that we we uh, combat and educate, combat the misconception, and educate people on the facts. So. Well, yeah, and as you as we were talking about, just from a financial standpoint, looking at things from a broader financial standpoint, um, when people talk about cutting spending in certain areas, and, it, and that includes the military too, like there are some people oh, I cu- I'm for cutting military spending. Well, there are people that work at the arsenal. That's military spending. You know, I mean, it's not just. I think I think what people and Democrats and Republicans agree on this is that there is a certain amount of overspending, and there's a certain amount of greed that is attached to some of the things that are being pulled out of the government in regard to overspending. And I think that should be something that should be addressed as opposed to just broadly saying, well, these programs need to be cut, as opposed to going in from... an accounting perspective and saying, well, let's look at these programs and how much they actually return 
and how much we're spending on these and, and look at them from a more common sense perspective. And I think it also, I think we could take our own Rock Island County as an example, uh, I'm proud to say. I, I think it may start at for the folks on the national level um, saying hey even though in dollar and cents wise this isn't this doesn't it's not the same as if we were going to cut a program out uh, but if if we look at they look at cutting some of their own benefits um, and I, I hate to be the first one to say that but we've done it at the Rock Island County uh, level and people have been very responsive to that they say hey we appreciate that we know that you may have been able to save money if you cut this program out but this program was very vital you can get by with a reduction in your pay or a reduction in, in your, your your benefits. So uh, sometimes the leaders got to lead by example, and then uh, sentiment of the of the population can follow that kind of optimistic tone. So I, I think Rock Island County sets a great example, maybe even at the national level. So, um, And if I may, I don't know if we're going to have time, but there was one issue you had asked me. We've got all the time in the world, Scott. We don't have a time limit on this. It's a podcast. You had, you had asked me if, if there was an issue, any issues I want to talk to you particularly, and that is I have uh, formally uh, submitted and asked for uh, two resolutions that I've written up uh, regarding uh, chair stipends. Um, I don't want to bore people with all these, these dry facts and numbers, but uh, look, I think everybody's well aware that the county is, is uh, we're making headway, and I'm proud of, of the progress we're making, but we are still uh, struggling financially. Um, a lot of that has nothing to do with the county, uh, whether it be at the state level or what have you, but it is the reality, and we are the folks serving on the county board, so we have to contend with it. And uh, so every penny uh, we can pinch, I think, is something we need to at least look at. And uh, I have considered, uh, or this has been on my to-do list for some time, and I think uh, with some of the recent financial information we've gotten, uh, particularly hitting a zero fund balance in December, um, taking out loans uh, to make simple payroll, uh, one of the areas I thought that seemed to make sense was looking at our payroll. And uh, I want to be very clear that every single one of our departments are understaffed, uh, our administrator just uh, put out a great report um, that uh, he spent quite a bit of time getting the data, comparing us to other counties, and uh, our our staff, uh, our elected officials. I think everybody is is going above and beyond and doing a fantastic job. Certainly not maybe getting the credit they deserve, and, and that's okay. But uh, we still got to keep going. We we can't just stop because and wear a badge because hey we we've done all these things or, or we're better than these guys. At the end of the day, uh, I don't care uh, what's happening in X County. I care about what's happening in Rock Island sure. County. This is where I live. And, and I think people feel the same way. So uh, to get into the particulars here uh, regarding my resolutions um, that I've asked to be put on the Governance, Health, and Administration Committee, which meets, I believe, the second Monday of February. Uh, the first resolution calls for a reduction in the chair stipend, uh, what I think is a very reasonable reduction because... I believe in paying people based on their responsibilities and, of course, what is the financial situation. Uh, the second uh, resolution is calling for an elimination of any chair stipend uh, for the chair of the Committee of the Whole, which is that new committee we've met twice. It started in December of, of last year. Uh, and the reasoning for that, in a nutshell, is I think there's a clear distinction between the responsibilities of the chair of the committee of the whole, which is a hearing session committee, 
and the other three chairs who chair the what I call the policy originating or new business committees. Um, so currently, kind of the backdrop is chair stipend is thirty five hundred a year. Okay, um, I am asking for them to be reduced to fifteen hundred a year. Um, the monthly breakdown on that, uh, I'd have to look up the exact numbers. I would say don't quote me, but we kind of are being quoted. Uh, but uh, I'm prefacing it with, I don't have the exact number. I think it's around 290 pre-tax uh, sure. per month is what a chair uh, is currently receiving. Um, under my proposal, uh, it goes down to around 125 a month pre-tax. Right. Uh, keep in mind, this is on top of their $100 per diem for going to the meeting and their base salary of 2400 for the year. Um, we just spent several months talking about the real possibility, and continues to be a real possibility, of course, of losing or having to let go of, of folks in one of our most vital uh, areas of the county, which is the Sheriff's Department. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and, if, again, I'm going to have to look at the consider... If I'm going to have to consider letting go of somebody like a deputy um, who this is their livelihood, this is their day job, um, and they have a husband or a wife uh, and kids uh, as a father and a husband, uh, to me, again, this this is really easy. Do I take a simple reduction in my own uh, stipend or, you know, now would this save, you know, no, but every little bit helps and it can mitigate uh, some of the the uh, Im- impact of, of let's say if there were to be layoffs. So, and it goes back to for me a principle of being a public servant is leading by example. Even if it's not going to change the world, we set the example and we lead we lead by that. So, I'm asking for a reduction in in three ch- uh, committee chairs uh, for their yearly stipend of 3,500 to go to 1,500, and the elimination of any stipend for the chair of the committee as a whole. Um, I've asked for them to be on the Governance, Health, and Administration Committee uh, this coming month. Uh, I am confident that they will be on the agenda. Uh, I'm also confident that there will probably be some some passionate uh, debate and deliberation, which is great. That's what we need. Um, and, and I think that if this these proposals go to the board, I, I don't think... Uh, I, again, I, I'm confident of their passage. Um, maybe not in their exact form, uh, because that's why we have that process. They, they get filtered through uh, 20, 24 or 25 board members. So that's the democratic process, and I think we should encourage it. But uh, So I just wanted to put that out there for folks who maybe aren't doing anything on the second Monday of February. Uh, to swing by the Rock Island County building on 3rd Avenue, 1504 3rd Avenue, caddy corner from the courthouse. Uh, it will be on the second floor in the county board chambers uh, in the Governance and Health Administration Committee, which meets on... I'm going to get you the full date here, Sean. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if I can get to it here. Uh, it would be February 13th at 10 a.m. Okay. And I, uh, I'd appreciate anybody in the public uh, who feels that this is a reasonable uh, thing to consider to come out and, and, and speak to that and uh, encourage uh, support for it. Cool. Um, 
Let's talk about that, you know, increasing revenue. I mean, you talk about cutting costs. How do we increase revenue? If you increase revenue, you don't have to worry as much about cutting costs because you have, you know, a bigger kitty to draw from. So how in particular does Rock Island County, this is something that I talked about with all the mayoral candidates because it's a concern for people who live in the city of Rock Island. How does the county increase business participation, increase, you know, the tax base, increase revenue coming into the government? It's a great question. Um, the county is a little more pigeon-held than, let's say, the cities. Uh, we are not home rule. Uh, to summarize, essentially what I'm saying there is to just go out and raise a tax. For instance, the cities, they can raise a sales tax, you know, uh, and they have done so mul- multiple times. Uh, we have to... Uh, pretty much, anytime we want to do any kind of initiative like that to to bring in revenue, uh, 99% of the time has to be put on a countywide referendum, uh-huh. which, as you probably are well aware, with the sentiment these days, uh, can make it a little challenging to get it passed. Right. Um, uh, it's probably something that, it is something that this board uh, continues to uh, be challenged with. Um, how do we find new sources of revenue? Um, I, you know, our elected officials, uh, I think, have uh, found ways to try to. Do, we're doing some small things. We've done some. At, we're doing some advertising now on the on the website. Um, we are doing uh, in-house printing now for all the departments. We never used to do that, which is bringing in a little bit of revenue for the for the budget. Um, you know, we've we've accomplished some small news sources of revenue, but nothing uh, that's going to address or tackle uh, the shortfalls that. We're uh, we're contending with that again aren't necessarily due to the county board, but uh, we still have to contend with them. So uh, you are right, and ideally, um, that is what I would prefer. You know, um, revenue, so that we're not having to do look cut expenses. You know, um, so it's something we continue to work on, but. Um, we have to work within a certain framework, uh, the Illinois Constitution, and um, you know, you can't just sell off the zoo, or you can't right. just, uh, you know, Hope Creek. People have talked about Hope Creek, which is actually a different fund than the general fund, which is what's really in trouble. Um, you sell Hope Creek, you get a one-time uh, influx of, of revenue, and then it, you know it's gone. Uh, I'm going to rise. You get used. We. We uh, we end up paying off uh, our you know the debt service to Hope Creek, and that's going to be a huge revenue uh, for the county. So um, it's it's something we continue to uh, focus on, uh, but um, there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of avenues to go down in terms of finding new revenue. So it leaves us with the only other option, which is you know expenses and. Um, I, the departments, again, they're all understaffed. They're they're working uh, very hard to, I believe, make Rock Island County still a great place to, to live and, and 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 raise your family. Uh, we cannot cut any more from departments. Uh, we have to look to ourselves and we have to lead by example. And I think that's why, uh, for instance, those resolutions I was just talking about are, are reasonable uh, proposals that I think my colleagues will ultimately agree with so right yeah now let's talk about two ways in which you could and just in general i think that you know nationwide um 
things that could raise revenue and lower expenses. I'll start with the less controversial of the two, although I'm also going to bring up something that this time ties into something that maybe is a little, touches a little bit of a nerve. Um, first, green energy, particularly solar and wind. Uh, subsidized energies. The nuclear plant scheduled to close in 2018. That said, if you look at um, the energies that are ascendant worldwide as well as within the country, solar and wind are certainly, A, they're ascendant energy plants. They cost less money. Um, they therefore will lower output in regard to you know expenditures and in addition have the potential to bring in new jobs and um, increase um, the revenue base of the county and city so how do you feel in regard to alternative energies and how they can fit into the, co the county's future in regard to bringing in additional jobs and money and also reducing expenditures for energy uh, I agree with everything you said you said it perfect <laughs> no I uh, in terms of the county itself um, you know uh, with with you know the infrastructure those types of things we have and and, and, and energy I, I don't see those being uh, avenues necessarily that are going to bring uh, substantive uh, new revenues for the for the county itself uh, anytime uh, in the near future. Uh, and it, but I do I agree with generally everything you said. Uh, there's some slight exceptions, which is with everything. I think um, uh, you know uh, saving money. Sure, after some of those initial. Um, costs, you right. know, sometimes the initial costs. And for the county, that's where we constantly are stuck at, right. the initial costs, because for so long things were uh, had fallen to the wayside. So, uh, But generally, I support uh, clean energy alternatives, uh, and I'd like to see. Uh, I certainly wouldn't, you know, if there's any opportunity for that at the county, I would uh, certainly be supportive of it uh, uh, at the national level and the state level. Um, I think it's something we need to further uh, invest in more uh, in terms of research and, 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 and beginning to implement uh, some of those strategies. So uh, hopefully that answers that question. It does. It does. Now on to the more controversial of the two, and that's the legalization of marijuana. Um, I am a proponent of and have been very vocal in so for the legalization of marijuana. I, I feel it's ridiculous that it's illegal. I'm not talking about hard drugs. I'm talking about simply marijuana, which was made illegal in 1936, in large part due to William Randolph Hearst and a number of other people who had a financial stake in making it illegal. Um, if you look at physiological and psychological studies, it's no more addictive than alcohol or tobacco. Um, if you restrict it and tax it the same way so many states have, which have legalized it, it ends up bringing in a substantial amount of revenue. Look at Colorado, for example. And in addition to bringing in revenue, it also lowers costs because, as you mentioned, sheriffs, other police, they don't have to incarcerate people as much for minor drug offenses in regard to marijuana. That costs the, co the county, that costs the city, that costs the state a lot less money to incarcerate people. Um, also, it puts cops out on the street for actual, you know, to actually do their jobs and to look for, you know, more violent crime and violent offenders as opposed to most people. 
were in for marijuana offenses. Um, if you want to talk about it, if you demure from talking about this uh, subject, I understand because it is a, a controversial one in some quarters. But how do you feel in regard to that? And I know within Rock Island, they decriminalized up to a certain amount. I'm not sure the exact amount, but I know that. I think that that's just it's just common sense. I mean, from a fiscal from a fiscal perspective, and I'm not some giant pothead or something. I'm just saying this from a common sense perspective. It's going to save money and it's going to bring in revenue. So how could this be a bad thing? Once again, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I'm happy to speak to the issue I, because I think it is a common sense issue. I, um, and I think more and more people are, are, are feeling that way on this issue. Um, um, I certainly support uh, the legalization of marijuana uh, with uh, proper, um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, the monitoring um, and, and pretty much the same caveats as alcohol. I would think you can't drive under the influence. You can't, you know, there ha- it has to be in bars and things of that nature. I, I certainly would. I see. I thought your initial question was going to be the, the Bill Clinton question. I was all ready to say I, you know, I, I, I didn't inhale, but I, 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 I agree with everything you said, and, and I. So does the science. So does, uh, and you know, so I. I don't know. I guess I'm perplexed as to what the reason would be that that folks would be against it. Right. I mean, that's the best answer I uh, uh, could give because you know we talk. You know, you have someone say this is common sense, so on and so on and so on, and then the next thing you know, they're saying we shouldn't legalize marijuana. Well, you know, how do you? So no, I'm I'm 100% behind the legalization of marijuana. I think it, it should be legalized uh, nationwide and regulated is the word I was looking for. Uh, regulated and not just even uh, in terms of being in a politician and revenue sense, which I think it would be uh, certainly a revenue booster, uh, but for the safety, the safety of the folks who are, are using it. Uh, if we regulate it, we're going to make it safer. Uh, you know, look, if we, if, if we can we can protect people, uh, I happen to do believe that is a, a function of the government, uh, and why would we not do that? Uh, we can take that opportunity to do that. So I don't buy the gateway argument. I don't think uh, empirically that's supported. Um, and if that's the case, uh, you know, other uh, drugs that are currently legal are also should be gateway, and they sh- we have to ban them. So actually, there's no there's no uh, as you meant there's no evidence for it being a gateway, and there's actually more evidence for legal prescription opiates being a gateway to illegal opiate use. Yeah, it, it allows just like you know Europe. Uh, you know, they, they teach their kids how to, to drink responsibly from a much earlier age, and you have a lot less, you know, instances of, of fatalities due to drunk driving. Right. And I think it's that same, up that same vein that you're, you're saying there. I, I think um, anytime that we can, we can regulate it and, and, and educate people how to, to uh, handle, handle it uh, responsibly, um, it's going to be beneficial for the community as a whole. On, a, on multiple uh, facets. So, okay. Let's talk about something that has also caused something of a, a bit of a stir locally, the backyard chickens issue. How do you feel about the whole backyard chickens issue, which has uh, hit the media and uh, really kind of, you know, gotten people... Uh, 
keep people's uh, feathers uh, up in a tizzy? Well, I, like, county, as far as I'm aware, I believe the county outside of city limits, I believe we, we, we permit that. I, uh, I'm... Uh, I think it's like everything else. Uh, if you live in town, uh, hopefully you've, you're building a relationship with your neighbors. Um, and, um, you know, we can be considerate of our neighbors. Uh, and still, I've not seen any compelling evidence that folks who have, that do possess chickens in their backyard, that, um, you know, it's, it's causing any major issues for their neighbors. Um, so, you know, I would hope that if, <coughs> excuse me, permitted to, possess chickens in their backyard uh folks are considerate of their neighbor uh, but ultimately I I, uh, I I support it i i think people got a lot uh we've got as a community a lot of other uh bigger fish to fry quite frankly um you know uh we need to be focusing more on you know how do we resurrect uh you know our infrastructure uh, our economic development uh and better uh, facilitate uh, public input, uh, at, particularly uh, at the city as well as the county level, and not so much as to whether someone has three or four chickens in their backyard. Right. So. And the last of the questions that I was sent, in addition to the backyard chickens question and a couple of the other ones, um, we talked about this. This is the only one that was public. The other, the other ones were sent to me via private message. But the public question was very broad one, as you saw on Facebook, which is what accomplishments have you had, which we've touched upon in this conversation quite a bit, and which of those accomplishments are you most proud of? Great question. Um, um, I've been. I'm, I'm currently starting my fourth year uh, on the county board, and and I I can't express uh, adequately uh, with words uh, how proud I am uh, to be uh, a member of of the board for the last four years. Uh, this board, I think, has. Uh, demonstrated time and time again that they're truly receptive to what the public wants what they what they think about issues and so as you said we've talked a little bit about some of the reforms that I'm very proud of uh, and I did uh, and I'm I should probably also say I'm not an attorney and I never written a resolution <laughs> ordinance before I started doing this but uh, uh, so it was kind of a, a quick learn process but you know I did uh, compose the resolution to create the first ever Rock Island County administrator Administrator, um, that would be two, three years ago now. Uh, but I would say that's probably the, for me personally, uh, what I've personally contributed to and, and initiated, uh, because I think the benefits from that kind of led to everything else uh, and continue to do so. So I would say that's probably my personally what I've initiated, uh, and that I think the county overall is going to benefit from is is the creation of a county administrator uh, and staff um, you know but I'm also very proud of the board not not me but the board's commitment the majority of the board or what in the past commitment to look at a reasonable reduction of our own staff in terms of the county board uh, ourselves um, I'm also very proud of letting go of the tax subsidized health care and, and pension um, um, because people need to if, uh, trust their government, and sometimes to build that trust, uh, you got to be willing to show people that uh, you you mean what you say. And the best way to do that is sometimes to start with yourself. 
Um, so if we're going to ask elected officials and department heads and, and what have you and, and the taxpayers to tighten their belts, uh, we needed to do so first. Um, and, and I think we've, we're doing that. And I think we're going to continue to do that. Um, I, we've, you know, I'm proud of the anti, first ever anti-nepotism policy that was uh, composed and, and, and passed. Uh, we've written, rewritten several of our policies. Um, uh, we refinanced uh, our bonds out at Hope Creek, saving hundreds of thousand dollars for the taxpayers without extending the life of, of that of those bonds. Um, Oh, I could go on and on and on. Uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate the fact that you also have worked bipartisanly on, on a number of these issues and have crossed party lines. And I think that's one thing that's important in regard to the county is you don't see as much partisanship. Perhaps I'm missing something, there are, but there are some. I, you know, another one that maybe uh, uh, there is some, but I think there are some. Yeah, not to the degree that you see nationally. And so that's you know, again, that's. I think for the most part it makes this job a whole heck of a lot easier and, and so uh, but uh, resolution to protect the middle class was another one we did pass that and um, you know it was a, it was a statement resolution it was a statement from the local government to the to the governor uh, in regards to the turnaround agenda um, that just simply you know showed that the majority of this uh, local government county board was not uh, in step or supportive of uh, many of the proposals that were uh, included in, in that particular uh, proposal. So uh, I think it was a real demonstration on behalf of the county to say that we're going to uh, stand up for uh, working people here in this county. Uh, this is a, a blue-collar county, has been for a long time, and, and I think we're, and we're proud of it. And so it was more of a statement, but uh, certainly a highlight for me personally. Um, so that was another thing I wanted to include. The resolution to protect the middle class, we did pass that, and, and that was a real uh, accomplishment uh, in my eyes. Anything else that you would like to add? Any uh, you know overarching vision? Any uh, other comments that you would like to add? Here it is. The, the floor is yours, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I guess overarching vision, I, uh, I don't know about that. I, I guess I would just encourage people uh, to continue to engage uh, and by engage I mean you know go to your city council meeting uh, go to your county board meeting not everyone obviously that's what we're here for uh, to go and to represent you at those things but uh, you know uh, be part of the process uh, your vote does matter uh, and even beyond your vote it doesn't stop at the vote uh, your voice matters, and so you need to continue to send letters, send Facebook messages, um, call up your uh, city, you know, because the things the city is doing, the things that we're doing at the county, really do affect you on a daily uh, basis, much more than what's happening on what you see on the news every day. So um, I, I hold very near and dear to my heart that this is a government for the people and by the people, and for that to work. Uh, we got to have continued participation on behalf of the people, right? So um, if I can ever uh, answer questions or concerns, uh, you know, whether you are in my district or not, uh, please feel free to reach out to me, and I will be happy to do my best to, to uh, you know, address those concerns or answer your questions or get you an answer. Um, and uh, I, I guess I would just conclude with, 
thanking thanking uh, people for giving me the opportunity twice now I, with being reelected re in 2014 uh, for their confidence because that's not something easily uh, obtained. Uh, you got to work for it, and I'm proud of that. Because uh, hopefully, with with the re-election shows, I did work for it, or at least majority of the folks feel I did, and and uh, it continues to be an honor. And um, again, thank you, Sean, for allowing me the opportunity to uh, to talk with you. Thank you, Scott. And how do people contact you? You want to give out your official um, Facebook, email, anything of that nature that people can contact you if they do have any comments beyond this? Because as I mentioned, this podcast, it, everyone is the media in regard to this podcast. I always ask people to submit questions. Some people do publicly and comment on my Facebook post. Some people message me with questions like the backyard chickens question, marijuana question. Um, they may, might not want to put it on, you know, my Facebook. But um, and that's one of the things I like about it is the fact that this gives people the way to ask questions of newsmakers. Um, now, how can people contact you directly to ask you questions or to talk to you about certain concerns? Uh, it, it, real quick, in regards to not necessarily always wanting it to be public. Who's making the inquiry? I, I think that's perfectly fine because um, you know they shouldn't have to feel like that needs to be public because uh, uh, you know they're not in the hot seat. That's that's my job. So uh, everybody needs to know what I think. Um, so, but uh, in terms of my contact information, I do have uh, or try to keep updated a uh, uh, Facebook page. Uh, you simply just type in Scott Terry Four. It should pop up for Rock Island County Board. Uh, I also have a personal page. You know if you want to reach out to me uh look me up on there it just comes up under scott terry i'll be happy to get you the link to the to the county board page um you can also reach me i really don't mind uh, folks having my cell phone number if they want it they're going to get it anyway it's 309-292-4484 um, you're also certainly uh welcome and I'm even encouraged to uh reach out directly to uh the county board office you can reach dave ross dr dave ross now who's our county administrator um, and honestly, I don't have that number with me. You can look it up online. Just Rock Island uh, County Board uh, will bring you to the county board uh, homepage, and you have all the contact information there. Uh, my email, uh, if you prefer to, to shoot me an inquiry or, or express uh, either praise or, or discontent, um, you can do so. Uh, I check that regularly. It's Scott E as in Edward, and then Terry, which is T-E-R-R-Y, at gmail.com. Sounds great. Once again, thank you to Scott Terry for being my guest on QC Uncut. Scott Terry, member of Rock Island County Board, and I appreciate you being so candid in this uh, wide-ranging conversation. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, and again, uh, uh, you know, thank you to the great people of Rock Island County. Um, we're working hard for you. Cool. And thank you for listening to QC Uncut. This is Sean Leary. Um, tune in next time for Conversations Uncut, unedited, uncensored, with local newsmakers. I'm Sean Leary. Have a great day.